0: We've made the academy better. We've made the second team better consistently. And when you put good players into that system, they're going to start getting opportunities.
1: New England Revolution Technical Director, Kurt Onalfo. He's the guest on today's episode of New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast. Welcome to New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast. The
0: podcast for serious soccer players and their supporters to help further their development and navigate their way throughout their soccer careers. And
1: now, here's your host, Matt Langoni. Welcome into another episode of New England Soccer Journal's The Gold Podcast. Today I'll be joined by New England Revolution Technical Director, Kurt Onelfo. Kurt, thanks so much for joining us again. It's my pleasure to be on. Thanks I for having me. Love having you here. You're our, you're our first two-time guest, I believe, so this is a <laughs> rare, rarefied air for you. Yes, that's awesome. <laughs> well, uh, thanks again for being here. Big news, obviously, this week for the Revs, as uh, defender midfielder Peyton Miller, a 15-year-old Revolution Academy product, uh, became the youngest player in club history to sign a, a Major League Soccer homegrown player contract. Peyton is is traveling, obviously, with, uh, with the Academy teams to the MLS next playoffs, I believe, so he's he's unable to be here, but... You're a great person to talk to about this, anyways. Just just speak about about Peyton and what he's kind of shown the Revs and and why he was the the right player to to sign this contract.
0: Yeah, so he's a he's a player that we recruited from outside. I mean, he's from from Unionville, Connecticut, so it's a little bit outside of our territory. And he, so from my experience with him, and I've and I've watched it closely when he came into our academy he was he was a, an ex, he's an exceptional athlete he's very very gifted athletically and a, obviously was a good soccer player but he needed to fine tune his his craft so to speak so rob Becerra and the rest of our academy staff really did an excellent job in, in just making sure he improved on a daily basis and he scored a lot of goals from the winger midfielder type position uh, really needed to learn how to be a two-way player because that's modern soccer. Often you have these really talented players, and they're just they kind of are very offensive-minded, and and that's what they excel at. But they don't realize it in in the modern game, I and mean, you don't realize that when you're 12, 13 years old. That it's really on both sides of the ball. You have to you have to be really good. And we always say you need to be hard to hard to play against on the defensive side. And that was a big thing that he had to learn. And he was challenged on a a daily basis. And he is just one of these kids that just kept rising to the occasion and just kept getting better and better. So we saw this incredible transformation when he got here within a 12 to 16 month period. And we're like, wow, this kid's high potential. He's somebody that really has a chance to make our first team. So then the next step was all right let's let's get him into our second team environment and i would just we just wanted to give him little opportunities here and there but every time we gave him an opportunity he just thrived and he belonged so he hmm. basically i always say he pushed up our timeline significantly i mean the in my mind when i looked at him and and the progress he was making i thought we would be having a conversation with him and his parents in january of 24 but he, he he pushed it up a year year ahead a year ahead of schedule wow the, the way i look at it so he's, he's i don't have the stats in front of me but he's he's got close to 20 games as a pro from if you count preseason games so this that's that's really good for a kid his age
1: yeah at, at the time of of signing the contract he's 15 years and 216 days old and He's the second player in club history to ink a deal before his 16th birthday, the other being Diego Fagundes, so he's in, yes. he's in good company there. I'm just curious, though. You, I mean, you're a former high-level player, great player. Put, putting yourself in, in kind of his shoes at that age, I mean, what, what kind of maturity do you need and what kind of just a, way, a self-awareness and all that stuff do you need to be able to, to do what he's doing at this age?
0: It's, it's really hard. I, I, I mean, it, and it's, it's just, it's, it's not normal right it just isn't you have to be one physically mature right enough to be able to deal with the physical demands but then how are you emotionally and mentally right so the thing with peyton he's just a special kid he's got this incredible concentration levels when you look at him he's very grounded he has has extremely loving support from his parents which really helps and then We've created an incredible environment here at the Revs where Shannon and BJ Noble do an incredible job at. at, 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 at well, we have three residency houses at the, at the house that Peyton's in. They've just really nurtured him and really helped have the support that he needs to be, give him the best chance to be successful. So I think all those things and all of the it, 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 that's an aspect of our club that is new. And that's something that we, we added when we came in, and to his credit, and to the credit of all the people around him, we we put him in a good spot. But, but again, it's not easy. At 15 years old, I had barely hit puberty, so like <laughs> it's totally different, right? I mean, so, no so I was a late bloomer. I didn't, yeah. I didn't, I didn't start physically maturing until I was 17, 18, 19 years old. Like that, everybody's different. So, in the case of of Peyton, and it was very similar in the case of Noel Buck, who's actually starting for a first team now, is that at 15 years old, they were they were like really advanced physically. Right. But obviously able to cope with the stuff mentally too, which isn't easy. But when you're an exceptional athlete, sometimes you just, because you're so good at it, it's easier to deal with. Right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing when I see these stories and I think about, what, what was I doing at 15 years old? All right. I was... <laughs> probably playing playstation uh, drinking mountain dew like kicking around no, the ball I, occasionally I mean, like i mean no. it, it's not what what is his what is his physique like though is he is he physically is he, he's you he, think he's strong he's not, enough
0: he, he's not huge but he is lightning fast yeah. like powerful and fast and then it, and then technically he's exceptional so so he has so he has so that's basically okay so now we have to teach him the tactical part, right, which he, he picks up really quickly. So then the last aspect is just mentally dealing with ups and downs, and he's just kind of like an even killed kid. So he's got all the tools. That's why we signed him. We, we believe in him, and, and he'll, he'll make it. It's just a matter of how quickly it takes for him to get himself ready to play first-team games.
1: I'm interested in the, the other side of it, too, just the other players around him Welcoming him in. I mean, he's a young kid, and there's there's older, more veteran, more experienced players, and it's it's kind of a a, a two way street. They have to take him in with open arms and and be willing to to work with a young a young kid who's a, who's a teenager. How does that whole aspect work? Is he does he show you any sign? Has he has he ever showed you any signs of being intimidated to be around older, more experienced players? No, de-
0: no. I mean, I that's what like so like I said when we put him in the environment, he thrived quickly. And so often it, uh, often it takes a little time, but we, we have a good environment. We have older age players that are on the second team for that exact reason to take guys like Peyton under his arm, under their arms and to really help bring him along and show what it, what it takes to be a pro. Our staff is also very good at that too. So they're, they're just, I thought, listen, I thought he would, I thought it would be a little bit too much for him to start, but he proved me wrong like right from the beginning. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Did you, did you have, I mean, were those like conversations you had with them where you're like, Peyton, are you ready? I mean, are you sure you're ready for this? Are you sure? And you, I,
0: we, we no, we just basically this it's, we, we let him know that he's doing great mm-hmm. at his, at the academy level. And that the next step is we want to start getting you opportunities when we can with the second team mm. and 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 those are training opportunities so that's what we started doing he it was e- it's easier because he was living on campus and on one of the residential houses and so it was but he basically like you witness how he's how he's performing right. and with that you decide how much more you're going to give him right so sometimes you'll give guys a couple training sessions and they go back to go back down and in his case he just he did so well. We sent him to preseason. He did so well in preseason. We wanted to keep him longer. And all of a sudden, i was like, I need to sit down with him and his parents and say, "Look, this is this kid can play right now." And it actually changed our mindset and how we built the roster for Revs too. I mean, we had, we 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 had opportunities to bring in other left backs, and we didn't. And because we knew we wanted to make sure that we had, we're giving him a, a, an opportunity to
1: play. Right. What What do you see going forward as kind of his? his top position i mean is he, uh, it looks like he's got some versatility right now but where do you see him really yeah. fitting as he gets you older? Know, so
0: at the youth level he plays as a he can play he's incredible as a right wing because he, he kind of cuts in and he's excellent in front of goal and he's so lightning fast but if you were if you were to pull 10 experts and do what i do nine of the 10 would say he's going to be a, an attacking left back mm. in, in kind of like the modern game right and out an outside back that has has an influence on the attack because he can get forward. He can serve a ball. He can he can be dangerous offensively, and that's so that's kind of where we're grooming him. But we are being open minded. Sometimes circumstance works out where you end up playing a little bit farther up the field, and it works out great. So we'll we'll see how that pans out. But if if I was a betting man, which I'm not, I would I would <laughs> say left back.
1: I mean the great the other kind of the great thing about being younger than 16 is he might have some growth spurts left in him too. So, I mean, he's got, he's going to have room to grow physically as well.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely.
1: Aside from Peyton, I mean, this is kind of, this is a great time for the Revs in general with kind of the the youth movement that you guys have going on with, with, no, we talked about Noel Buck and, and just the, the guys you have, you've developed over the years and the roles, significant roles that they're playing already, even on, on the first team. What's it been like to watch that and and develop these guys and and just see the growth of these players?
0: Well, it's really awesome because it 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 was part of our plan coming in. We wanted to really enhance that part. And we added a a, a the second team in, in in the second year that we were here because we didn't have one and that 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 began our our pro pathway. But with each year We've tried to get better and better and it's, and it's been enhanced. So we've, we've made the academy better. We've made the second team better consistently. And when you put good players into that system and you kind of know what you're doing, all of a sudden, eventually they're going to start getting opportunities. And, and basically the way we look at it is we just, we want to get them as many pro games as possible before, before like. Like in the case of, of Peyton, we want to get him over 60, 60, 70 games before the time he's 18 years old, which will, it's going to happen. And if that, if that happens, it positions himself to be able to play for our first team. And, and that's the ultimate goal. And it's pretty incredible, though. If you think, you think about, it, you look at Noel buck, he's got over 70 games as a pro and he's 18 years
1: old. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was gonna say, I mean, that, that's the thing that people forget about Noel, or maybe because he's it seems like he's been around at this point because he's he's well, just he's moved yeah, so far it, fast.
0: Yeah. I mean, and we and we put that plan in front of his parents and 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 Noel. So he knew what it looked like and but there was ups and downs. Like he he was lightning in a bottle when it first started, but then he had some some downturn. Last year he really he it was a it was like a two month period where he really struggled. He had an injury. He wasn't quite right physically, but we were able to because it's a second team. We were able to play him through those rough patches, and inevitably he got out of it. Was able to get through the season, and then went had had a little bit of an off season, and came back just with all this maturity. and And he, with some injury, he had an opportunity with the first team, and that's what happens. You got to take your opportunity.
1: And he has with this ongoing youth movement and this this development. Are there? Are the revs kind of the? Is this the norm across the MLS? Do you think are the revs kind of blazing a, a more of a path with some of this youth movement, or what's it like league wide? I, I I just think that I think that it's a hard question to answer.
0: Yeah. Answer, but but I, I would just say from our perspective, it's a really important aspect of the club, but it's only one small part of it, right? So you're not going to have a, a first team full of a bunch of kids right? It's just unrealistic, right? right? But if you have one, two, three players always coming through, it's really, it's invaluable because what it does is you're developing your own, which is great, but it also, the youth, it really, when you're an older player and you see these younger guys coming through, it actually, it it reminds you of how you were were when you started. So I think that can be a powerful component, but it's, and it's a it's an important component but it's not it's not the only thing we have to do well at the first team level signing designated players free agents we have to do a good job with the draft we have to good do a good job with trades all that kind of stuff and then but if you're if you're if all of a sudden you're doing all that stuff right and then now you have a youth component as well where you're you have a pipeline where you're developing players it can help you in terms of cap management and everything else so it's, it's a lot of, a lot, all the teams in the league are putting resources into it. Some teams put more attention to it than others. But I think what you'll find is if you, if you know what you're doing and you have, a, you have a system and you have a way of working, you, you, you have the ability to, to produce some good players.
1: I mean your system's definitely working. You guys won the obviously the the U19 squad won the the MLS Cup playoffs last year and you guys as we're recording this this weekend this coming weekend you got three yeah. three sides heading down to Dallas Fort Worth. It's going to be about 100 degrees down there. So <laughs> I know.
0: I'm gonna, I'm going to head down to support them as well. And I will say we have we're one of only three teams in Major League Soccer that at the U15, U17 and U19 level that are MLS teams that, that advanced all three teams. So that's something we're proud of. We've never done that before. We've come a long way. We're 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 getting better all the time. But we we want to just keep pushing and,
1: and, and continually improve. What do you attribute that that kind of historical success for the academy? What do you attribute that to? Do you just feel like it's just
0: a lot? Yeah. Well, listen, we there's so we've been at it for four years here, right? So each year we've tried to make it better so and what that means is it's it, it, we we put together a plan after each year okay how can we get it better and then we we go to i go to Brian our president and with the our recommendations for how to enhance it and inevitably that we're asking for more resources and we're cuz we want to get better coaching and we want to have more residential houses we want to have help with transportation in some cases to make sure we have the best players getting to getting to training so there's a lot of components to what we're doing. And I, I feel like our our community also continually gets better. Their surrounding clubs get better. So with all that, and then you put this kind of energy and then you, you, train, you train your athletes more than some of the other teams in the league are doing, inevitably you're going to start producing some players. So. We make it very competitive. It's not not a not a lot of players make it to the first team, but we have a ton of players that come into our system that are going to great college programs, which is another pathway. And some of those will end up being back with us and playing on the second team level, and could end up playing on our first team level because it just takes every person a little bit different how long to to develop. But it's it's it, it the re, there's a reason for it. We've put, I, we have put we called energy. We put a lot of energy into the to our pro pathway, and it's starting to reap some of the benefits right now.
1: Right, and how are you feeling about the first team this year? So so far through the MLS season, are you feeling pre- pretty well with well, how we you guys started worked? out
0: great, and then we we just we hit a, a a spell where we've had a lot of injuries, and we just whenever that happens, there's usually a little bit of a drop off in terms of results. So we're we're getting healthier, so that's a really good sign, and we just want to continually it's a long season. We just want to continually get better and position ourselves so that we're, we're, we're playing hopefully our best soccer at the end of the season.
1: Yeah. I don't think I've I've talked to you since obviously the news of obviously the world coming and world cup coming in 2026 and and Foxborough being a host site. How, How do you feel about that? I mean, I think I tend to think just for soccer in the country, just for the, the, the popularity and it's continued rise, that's going to be massive just to have with, with, way social media is and tv rights are now that's going to be a huge thing what's kind of your perspective of what that will do for soccer
0: i just think it's another i think it's awesome yeah and i think it the way i look at it is that we have we have these incredible owners throughout mls right that that have invested a lot of money in the sport and quite frankly in a lot of cases have lost a lot of money even though franchises are going up and everything else the popularity continues to to grow i mean if you just look at our team we had 36,000 spectators at our last game. Wow! So that's that. That's that's incredible. So everything's trending in a positive way, and you look at the signing of of Messi. I think that's another thing that's going to help the league. And then with the World Cup coming, I I just feel like it's another tipping point. I think it's between now and the end of this decade. There's going to be some really awesome things happening with soccer in our country, where we we start catapulting to. Be, to being one of just breaking in, in in one of those top sports in our country, where all of a sudden there's there's more television dollars and there's just more to it.
1: That's a that's a great point you bring up about Messi. Because what what was your initial reaction when you heard the news that he was coming to the MLS?
0: Awesome. I've been I've been hoping it's going to happen for a long time. Keep in mind when David Beckham came in 2008, to, to, I think he left after 2000 around 2014, 15. That that catapulted the league to a different mm-hmm. stratosphere, right? So now, ten years later, there's another icon that's coming, and it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be really good
1: for the entire league. Well, what's crazy yeah. is, I mean, it's not like it's not like he's past his prime. I mean, this guy just won the World Cup, so it's it's like no, no. I mean, it, yeah, it, yeah, the listen, timing's he's incredible.
0: He's- yeah, no, he's definitely gotten older, which is all, yeah. which is normal. It happens to everybody. Right. But it, it's really awesome for the league. Yeah. And what I like about it is I just think about the competitive aspect and you think about like the owners and how they're all competitive too. So, like, what else comes from this? Whereas will there be more? And not that I'm saying there's, you can only have one messy, but <laughs> you know, what, you know, what comes from this? And I just think it's, it's going to be, much more awareness right it, it's a it's a great thing for the league in so many aspects and everybody's talking about it yeah so that's what that's so the attention that that's what we need so yeah kudos you, to the league for pulling that off and 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 to Inter miami did do you David
1: beckham do you feel like people were surprised when it happened Do you feel like you, you you were you said you were hoping I for wasn't it. yeah
0: we, we like we have heard about it yeah but i do think people were surprised yeah i mean it's a big deal i mean they have this this crazy amount of money that they're spending in saudi arabia right now right. so like that's why ronaldo went there i mean you, ha- you it's like you become a billionaire to play soccer in a in a country i mean it's crazy I
1: So i know well it's a little bit like the whole live golf thing i mean there's just money there's money thrown when you when you're prepared to throw crazy money at people things things can yes.
0: happen yeah i just just how sustainable is that exactly you
1: know, exactly well, Kurt, we we mentioned this before we get on, but it's time for our our Extra Time segment where uh, producer David Yaz is going to fire away three random questions, and you have the authority to to Vito. abstain from a <laughs> veto the question if you'd like, but we'll see what All David right. comes up with. It's the end of regulation, so let's move to Extra Time.
2: The guest, uh, the guest has a veto power, man. I just gave
1: Kurt oh one. Yeah,
2: I just gave okay. Kurt one. Well. <laughs> I suppose he deserves it. All right, here we go with extra time. Kurt, you are the guest. You get the first question. What mental makeup does it take to play goalie in the sport of soccer?
0: <laughs> it's so funny because we always joke that they, they're, they're wired a lot differently. You have to be extremely mentally tough. You have to be courageous. You have to be brave. And you have to have a short memory because one, one mistake costs you a goal and you you have to move on quick from it so it's it's a very it, it's a it's a position where you have to be mentally extremely strong
1: matt your thoughts yeah i mean i, I would agree kurts obviously the better authority on this but i i agree i mean it's it, i mean it's just the, the totally it's the most unique position on the soccer field it's one of one that gets to play with the skill that skill set where you can use your hands i mean it's the and you have to have a different persona or a different mentality and i think short memory is definitely a key And you also have to be, I think you have to be one of the most vocal presences on the field because you have that ability to see everything out in front and kind of be the director on the field. I mean, you can't have a silent goalkeeper. You can't have somebody who's saying nothing back there. So I think you have to have a certain personality that fits that position. Almost like a closer in baseball, it sounds like. Yeah. A little bit different. A little bit different character.
2: Yeah. Well, (laughs) we know baseball players are are wusses. (laughs) Don't tell the baseball podcast I said that. Okay. So, next question for extra time, Matt, you can take this one first. Okay. What was the greatest soccer game ever played? And by this, I mean something you you witnessed either in person or on TV. Who ever played?
1: Yeah. Man. Wow. I mean, the World Cup championship, let's see, this past year was pretty, pretty good. I mean, that was, uh, you had, Mbappe and and Messi kind of at the top of their game in that, in that game. I mean, that's, we have recency bias obviously, but mm. that game is fresh in my mind and I thought it was phenomenal. And I remember I, I missed somewhere we were, where we are we the family doing like some Christmas stuff or something? I I missed the first half and I'm just getting texts and I'm looking on my phone and I'm like, this, you got, this game's incredible. Mm. And then I, I got back for the second half, watched the second half, watched the rest of it. And then I rewatched the entire game and I, you, you can call it recency bias, but that was phenomenal. I mean, both both players, arguably the two biggest stars in the world right now, rose to the occasion and it was phenomenal. But that's what's in my mind right now. I used to always go back to the 1994 championship in the U.S. with, with Italy and Brazil before that. Who says you got the answer to, twice? Kurt, you I agree
0: ahead, 100% so. <laughs> with the last World Cup. To me, that was, I mean, it just it just kept getting better and better as it went along. And then you kept thinking during the game, is it going to be the French star that we the young French star that that prevails and poor messi and then the and the, and then it's the soccer gods just came over it and it ended up being what it, it what it should have been in my mind that right. that Messi was able to win a championship and and win the world cups and it was a nation and and everything that Argentina had been going through was pretty incredible so i i I actually think that's the game. Right. I can't think of another game that was that dramatic and that went back and forth so much. So, and I, I, I just felt privileged watching it. It was just an incredible day. Like, I, I, I it just blew me away.
1: What, what's funny uh, too? So, what's funny too, Kurt, is for such a bizarre World Cup, like in the winter t- like holiday yeah. season, like oh, so much drama surrounding that World yeah. Cup and just controversy for that game to kind of be the the finale was just a, a great ending to it. Yeah, it was.
0: It was amazing, and and they were, the Argentinians were just. The the amount of effort they had to put in to win was so much more than the French. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it's true. You
0: know what I'm saying? Like, right. so it was just it was pretty incredible. It was, so maybe it was the the difficulty their country had to get through to that put them over the top, and then the soccer gods with with Messi making it, giving him a World Cup which he he deserves. Mm-hmm. So. It was awesome. That that I I, lo- I mean that that game I'll never forget.
2: For the final question of extra time, Kurt, you got tipped off that we might sneak in a Ted Lasso question, so here <laughs> it comes. Now, are, are you caught up on this? Have you seen the the finale? I,
0: no, I haven't. I haven't seen the finale. I got it saved. I think I I think I have one and a half shows before I'm done.
2: All right. Well, then no spoilers, but we will we will delve into Ted Lasso just a little bit. Yeah. Does does the show? How is the show either a good or a so-so sort of showcase for the sport of soccer? In other words, is, is it a is it a worthy sort of cheerleading vehicle for this for the sport of soccer?
0: I mean, it just for me, it's awesome because it just brings more awareness to soccer. So that that's all I look at. I I think it's an incredible show, and it captures my attention every time I watch it. I, I love watching it. I love the fact that it's surra- it's it's based from soccer, and mm-hmm. that again that g- brings more attention to this incredible sport that I've been fortunate enough to make a living in. So I, I think it's been awesome and, for our
2: sport. And do I read into that that it, although a show like that, it is never perfect in terms of its technical accuracy, but for your for your money, accurate enough.
0: I mean, I mean, it's like a little bit of fantasy land stuff. Yeah. Quite frankly, you don't see a lot of that stuff going on <laughs> at, at top level clubs. But the messages are good, mm. in my opinion, and and for me, it's entertain it, it's entertaining. And I don't look at it. I, I, I like some of the lessons that are that are displayed in the in
1: the show. Uh, but you know, it's, it's It's still just a show. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Matt, your thoughts. It's interesting because I mean, I obviously love soccer, but I don't typically I, I for some whatever reason, I don't always gravitate to like the cheesier, feel good shows, but I love that show for some reason. I, it must be because all the other TV shows I watch are just like high drama. You walk away like not mm. necessarily feel good, whether it's like Succession or like some of these other great shows that are on TV. Ted Lasso just had a way of kind of uplifting you and and making you feel good. And it was It's something new. We hadn't seen... I mean, now we've seen Wrexham, which we've talked about on this podcast a bunch. We've seen other shows that revolve around soccer. But Lasso was like a comedy, a mainstream show that a lot of people got into that was about soccer. And yes, it was was pretty artificial in a lot of ways. Like some of this stuff would never happen. But it's just great. And like, it's... even the soccer scenes aren't, the, the soccer scenes aren't terrible. I mean, they're not like, it's, it's not like some of these other movies or shows that are about sports that where the, where the scenes just look dumb. The, the, the soccer scenes are good enough. The talk of the soccer is good enough. It's sprinkled in enough information about like relegation and things that like, right. that people who don't know much about soccer could actually learn a little bit more about the sport from watching the show. For sure.
2: Well, the show gets complimented for its optimism is that appropriate for soccer? Is it, is it possible that soccer different than other sports? There is, and I may be making a little bit of a leap here, but some collegiality. some <laughs> some some, or, or, or
1: is that just Hollywood playing I, with us? I think, well, I think optimism for soccer is key because soccer, I feel like is constantly it, just in spite of its in, insane popularity worldwide, it's fighting this kind of uphill battle in the United States constantly of like, of like, you know, it's okay to admit it's a great sport. It's okay to admit you like some of these people who didn't grow up soccer fans or don't, are, are slow to come to it. They're like slow to admit they like soccer. And I think Lasso kind of helped that. And, and I think that optimism and that feel good, feel good aspect of it, like drew in more soccer fans. Any thoughts, further thoughts on that, Kurt? Yeah. I
0: mean, listen, I, I am the, ult- I am the ultimate optimist. So I am a big believer in you create your own, your own reality. And some nations are very negative when it comes to soccer, and I think that affects them in a negative way. Yeah. And I just—it's the—it's the most popular sport in the world, and you see in that show how important you know it is to every community. That and so for me, I think that part's good, and I—I I just think I think that we have an incredible—we're gonna—we're gonna see some incredible things in in, in our sport. Over the next two decades, hmm. it's just every kid in America plays. We're gonna have the, we're gonna host the World Cup here. We keep producing really talented players. We're gonna to continue to produce talented players because what's gonna end up happening is it'll, there'll be a, a a pathway to make a, a similar living that you can make in some of the other top sports in our country, and that's gonna attract the best athletes. and 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 so I, I think it's gonna be really fun to to watch how how far we we come and and to see what what happens with the sport in our country
2: it's a great point that you see the relationship between the the club and the community in Ted Lasso and that I don't know if you guys agree that it seemed like they got that part right because what Welcome to Wrexham a documentary it's almost the exact same dynamic, right?
1: right. It, it, no, it's um, true. It's, it's, I, I don't think that people quite understand like when we say it's the most popular sport in the world, like it's by far the most popular sport in the world. I don't think non-soccer fans understand the extent of, of, of what these communities uh, within some of these clubs, how they like, I mean, live and die by the team is a little too strong, but they, they are so invested in these teams. It makes like People around here think they're invested in the Celtics or Bruins. It's not really. It's like yeah, it's like child's play compared to what some of these other these European clubs are like.
2: Yeah, we've got the Oakland A's baseball team moving to Las Vegas, yeah. and they and they the crowds. They try tried,
1: on like two hundred people.
2: Well, they tried to they tried to <laughs> rally for a, a reverse boycott. Yeah. They drew twenty eight thousand people. Yeah. Fine, the stadium's still half, half empty. Right, it is just not the same. No. loyalty, not at all. Well, you've both successfully negotiated extra time, and uh, next time you're around, uh, Kurt, the uh, ice cream's on us. <laughs> Post game awesome. ice cream.
1: Thank you, uh, Kurt. Great job as always, and I know you're. I know you're a busy guy, so appreciate the time today. Anytime. Thanks a lot. Awesome. Yep. That, thanks again to Kurt Onalfo for joining the podcast. I'm Matt Langoni. Thanks for listening. New England Soccer Journal's The Gold Podcast is produced by David Yaz and is a Siemens Media production.
2: You've been listening to New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever
0: you listen to our podcast. Or visit anysoccerjournal.com
2: forward slash podcast. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful.